0: skeptical about custom beauty honestly y'all I totally get it my feed is flooded with customized this and personalized that all promising you know to fix all of our beauty hair and skin problems truthfully I was so skeptical when I saw this brand but I'm a total believer now when pro says custom they actually mean it their products are no gimmicks and your formula couldn't exist without you they asked like
1: Yeah.
0: and 50% off your one-of-a-kind formulas, pros.com slash Just Break Up. Welcome to Just Break Up, the podcast about love, heartbreak, and all the relationship advice you don't want to hear. My name is Sierra Demolder,
1: And I'm Sam Blackwell. And this week, we're going to tackle topics like wanting to chew someone out after blocking them. <laughs> Very specific. But I feel like
0: no, everyone's no, felt it, that it, I before. I liked it. Yeah.
1: <laughs> being terrible Do I unblock
0: and... them to be a dick?
1: <laughs> no. <laughs> Spoiler alert. Exactly not yeah. a good idea.
0: Yeah.
1: Being terrible and not knowing how to stop and STI stigma. But before we mm. begin, we just want to give you our Surgeon General's warning, which is that we are not licensed mental health relationship, sexual health people. We're just, we're just making it up as no. we go along, friends.
0: Right. We are unprofessional advice givers. We are not trained in this, accredited, certified, none of that. We are just here to offer our humble musings to hopefully shed some understanding and maybe some laughs on the incredibly rewarding, but mostly confusing experience that is love. So Sam, this mm-hmm. week's check-in topic is <laughs> from a letter and I love it. Uh, It's from a letter writer, and I know you've read it because you sent it to me, but um, it's from Seeing Red, who is writing to us from The Void, and they write, Hi, Sam and Sierra. Love what you do. Okay, this is really more of a check-in topic than a letter, but I just wanted to hear you two lovely folks talk about red flags, specifically ignoring red flags. I want to know what red flags you have ignored and how it worked out. Often thinking back, I go through this mind game of asking myself, did I see this red flag in the moment? Yes. Did I heed the signs and stop seeing this person? Absolutely the hell not. Did it turn out well? (laughs) Never. (laughs) For instance, my first boyfriend mentioned one too many times that he would try eating human flesh if given the opportunity. It didn't work out. Thanks for reading. (laughs) (laughs) uh yeah so red flag (laughs)
1: Mm -hmm. that's definitely a red flag I think
0: um the hysterical. um so do you have um let's let's fulfill this person's wishes what red flags do you remember seeing in the past and and ignoring I guess and how'd that go for you
1: um not well let's be honest (laughs) yeah I think um one of the red flags that I saw was like somebody's like very casual relationship to sex which I'm not saying is a red flag all the time but for me and my relationship to sex that cavalier attitude toward of like I have sex with all my friends blah 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 blah, um really that's not a safe
0: place for you That was not a safe place for
1: me to be because then I was Mm -hmm. surrounded by people that this this man had slept with. And like in my own self-consciousness and lack of self-confidence, I felt very uh, threatened all the time by the fact that like everyone around him, every person I met that was in his circle, he had had sex with at some point. And it was like I couldn't handle it, (laughs) Yeah, which is like. I think that maybe like now in my like as I've come into my understanding of myself in comparison to others, like I could probably handle that. But it was it was a huge
0: younger, right?
1: Yeah, for sure. It was a huge red flag for me. And then it like didn't work out. But maybe it was like a self-fulfilling red flag.
0: Well, I I think that's such an interesting red flag because it is a it is a red flag, not necessarily like he was a cannibal, but (laughs) that he was an incompatible person to you
1: you know what I mean yeah for
0: sure um or it's not like he was uh it's it's not necessarily to the right person that sort of relationship to sex would be fine but -hmm. it was about what you wanted and what you were comfortable with
1: yeah Um, and the fact that like he seemed to really he seemed to really want to continue that lifestyle of having sex with people around him and like I was that was a deal breaker for me but I still you know right
0: still stuck around on for several (laughs) years right (laughs) Mm
1: -hmm. and had like so many fights about all the people that were around him and the fact that he was still like making out with them in clubs and stuff so
0: yeah not great
1: not a great situation for me should have seen that red flag and been like this is not a safe place for me
0: yeah uh my you know what i wrote down i remembered really like a tiny tiny red flag that I I remember in one relationship is they this person I was seeing and continued to see was um really rude to wait staff mm. um and servers and um It's a classic. Yeah, it is a classic. I like didn't think of it at first until we were like going through this letter. Um, and I ignored it because it was under the guise of like friendship and familiarity. Like she would, she would learn the server's name and be like really cued into them, but end up really requiring them to do a lot of extra work. It wasn't the normal, like (laughs) not going to tip you sort of like microaggressions, but, um, just asked a lot of people who were in service of her um, and then went on to uh, it's almost like the other side of the coin of your situation, like not at all the same, but a, a different instance about a past sexual past. She we had been dating for a couple of months and she found out that I once briefly dated and worse slept with someone that she didn't like and she didn't speak to me for like 4 days afterwards
1: oh jesus
0: it was so triggering for me as an anxiously attached person and uh-huh. it created the cycle in our relationship in that those toxic anxiously based relationships where i felt so bad i i you know and this relationship was like a decade old <laughs> you know that's <there's> like <laughs> she cared that i slept with someone a 10 fucking years ago. And um, anyway, so she didn't speak for days. And then I, I was like begging her to come back or to, to let me make it right or whatever the fuck problematic shit I played into. And that set the stage for like the rest of our relationship where mm-hmm. she could always make a big deal out of anything she wanted. Because my call and response, my Pavlovian bell was let me. Apologize and gravel and make it better for you, no matter how Mm. irrational that thing was. Um, And and I should have just been like, fuck you. (laughs) I should have just said, fuck you. Uh, The the people that I dated in the past don't define me. The people I've slept with in the past don't define me. Mm -hmm. Um, And you're being fucking hella misogynistic and sexist and disgusting.
1: It's real. Isn't it interesting that our red flags were like both sides of the same red flag?
0: <laughs> well, it's not, and that's what I was saying. Like they're not the same at all, but they are about sexual history or whatever. But, uh-huh. um, yeah. And then there was the other one that I would I would be remiss if I did not mention, which is, um, one time somebody told me that they. Are getting tested for cancer as a way to keep me around and then i later found out that that was a lie (laughs) that they were pretending to almost have cancer Uh, and then like six years later i dated them and then they cheated on me so many times and then they they broke up with you (laughs) so that's how that ended just so you know ignoring that huge massive fucking uh sociopathic lie led me down the path of being cheated on more times than once Mm -hmm. and being dumped, so.
1: (laughs) Honestly, because of that story, sometimes we get letters from people who are like, I was dating this person, and then they were diagnosed with cancer, and I immediately think, are they lying?
0: (laughs) Oh, my God. Uh, It is such a terrible, (laughs) it is such a problematic thing that I know happens. There are people Mm -hmm. out there that, um, either because they have, like, more seriously like Munchauser's prox- uh, by proxy or Munchauser's disease or mm-hmm. whatever,
1: mm-hmm. or
0: because they're really, really hurting and sick and really trying to manipulate a situation and they make up crazy lies. Anyway, getting a little off topic, but um, there was like a crazy story about similar line um, in that podcast. I suggested like a month ago, um, something was wrong and yeah, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. Anyway, so red flags. Yeah. How how do we heed them?
1: <laughs> I feel
0: like because of that cancer relationship, um, I we started this podcast. <laughs> like it's true. That's like getting that's out legit of that relationship. Yeah. I was like, gotta gotta set that right, like cosmically.
1: One red flag that I also had on a second date was a man tried to tell me that, um the person who owns McDonald's and the person that works at McDonald's are equally culpable for the ills of capitalism.
0: Hmm. <laughs> mm. And I was like,
1: Hmm, but you no. heated
0: that red flag, didn't you?
1: <laughs> I, I did. We never saw each other again after that.
0: There you go. There we go. Yeah. Lis- it's about listening to your instincts and, and, and I think it's about, Non-narcissistically trusting that you have, like, worth and merit in your beliefs and your positions, you know? Yeah, like, and
1: trusting your own I, experiences, too. Like, trusting your totally. reality.
0: Totally. I knew when that ex didn't speak to me for four days because I slept with someone in, like, I don't know, 1998. Just kidding. I was 10. Um. Like, Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> Just trying to... <laughs> Talk about how long it was ago. Um, I knew that was wrong. I like knew. I was like, this isn't fair, but I felt so guilty. Like I felt like I had wronged her Mm -hmm. um, and I just didn't make enough space for the fact that I, I knew I, at least my reality said I hadn't done anything wrong and I, and I should have stood by myself more.
1: Yeah I think red flags are hard because it you know red flags then cause us to have to reject someone which is like never
0: Mm, oh my god so never
1: a fun thing um and I think it's especially hard as like you know people who want to assume the best of everyone to totally have to say like I don't really know you but this thing happened and I'm like really not feeling it anymore um like that feels really petty or shallow and so like you know, we've talked about how, like, red flags are, like, there's, like, a line of red flags, right? There's, like, there's nuance in there because, like, some red flags are, like, are you just, are, is that a real ju- red flag or are you just being judgmental? And some of them yes. are, like, yes, you know, if he lies about having cancer, like, maybe that should be a moment to take a step back and say, like, what else was this you man capable he, of lying you about? You know what else he lied
0: about? You want to know?
1: He I told me that his
0: mom was a lesbian and she just She's wasn't. Not. Isn't that a weird lie? Like, what kind of like street cred are you trying to get? <laughs> you know, <laughs> years late. So she, I, he told me <laughs> Sam is Sam is dying.
1: Did <laughs> you meet me that, her like, and we're like, hey, so have you been seeing any like fine ladies lady lately? And no, she was like, no, no, what? no, I didn't
0: meet her until this. I didn't meet her until the second go around. Um, So. <laughs> I know I just remembered that lie because you were like, what else could they lie about? I was like, let me tell you. <laughs> Anyway, continue. You're saying like that, that is a blazing red flag versus.
1: Yes. Versus like, oh, this person, I don't know, chews with their mouth open or something like that's like. Right. OK, but like, are they still flag. a good that's person? A <laughs> right. Yeah. Absolutely. So like, I think that there's like a level of nuance here and I and I sometimes get a little bit like scared of talking about red flags because like the situations are so nuanced right and a red flag for a person in a specific situation might not be a red flag like yeah my example of like my red flag should have been the fact that like this person that i was seeing had a lot of casual sex with the people around him which is not a problem
0: with you Mm-hmm.
1: right like it's right? not like that's great like do you do you it just was a red flag for me because like i wasn't emotionally ready to be able to handle the fact that that was happening whereas someone else might be like i want to date someone who has, has lots of casual sex with their friends because like that like is cool like i'm into it
0: <laughs> right yeah but, that's meeting me where i'm at or, or whatever
1: right so like sometimes they get a little bit a little bit hesitant to talk about red flags because i'm always hesitant to talk in absolute in any case well not I any case, like like don't murder people but like
0: <laughs> yeah. don't eat but, them either
1: <laughs> right but like i think that the the context of the people who are involved in that and like the situation the time in yeah. their lives all determine what red flags look like and it's so it's hard to like talk about them explicitly um, i
0: think that is a that is a perfect caveat to end our check-in topic with Um, right and a great reminder
1: because like when your boyfriend mentioned that he likes eating human flesh like sounds like army hammer would be super into that so
0: not a red flag for him you know (laughs) (laughs) Uh, sorry i had to i had to
1: make the army hammer joke i had to no
0: it's okay i saw it in the notes (laughs) (laughs) all right let's get into some letters
1: let's do it all right, our first letter comes from Liam Lastname, who is writing from Western Canada. Liam writes Hey guys, been binging the show during the aftermath of this shitty, toxic shit NATO. I recently left an extremely toxic relationship. My ex girlfriend was extremely manipulative and constantly pushed and violated my boundaries. We were together for a year. In April, she shared with me a deeply traumatic and shocking personal event. It was hard to hear, but I decided it was not a deal breaker. I told her I understand what it's like to grow deeply ashamed and resentful of oneself for something outside of their control. I told her that I thought I was bisexual. We both cried, hugged. It was beautiful. Mm. We promised not to share each other's secrets with anyone else. She was the first and only person I have shared this with. Later that night, she texts me freaking out, not understanding my situation, saying she can't handle it and might need to break up. She told her friend about my secret, and her friend told her a story about how a friend of her's boyfriend was bi and cheated on her with a guy. Keep in mind, she has had sex with three different girls and says she's not bi, and I haven't had sex with anyone of the same sex. This isn't the thing that she shared with me that day. But she explained that she was sorry, she didn't mean it, etc. She was really good at love bombing and promising a great future, which for a while would win me back. Before Christmas, she wanted to go to the city for shopping, and I said no because of COVID and the fact that my dad was dealing with a heart condition. She went ballistic on me. She said that she didn't like how I was letting others tell me what to do. I told her that I don't think it's the responsible choice and maybe we could go another time. I asked her if she thought it was responsible to go, and she replied, I don't care. She said, if that's the case, we shouldn't see each other since we live in separate communities. That's a fair point, but she said it in a way to punish and dismiss my concerns. Mm. She didn't say that to be responsible, but to make me feel bad for not wanting to go. After this, she called me back and she said, and I quote, we are not family. We do not live together. You are not essential for me. I don't care what you have to say about this anymore. And yes, we did decide to stay together after this.
0: Oh my God. What a similar turn. (laughs) What a, what a... What is, I don't know what I'm trying to say here.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It's great. All right, I'll continue. (laughs) During our first three breakups, she and I established that we are not getting back together. Upon meeting, I shared why I wanted to stay separated and what wasn't working for me. That she wasn't respecting my boundaries and was often treating me in a way that I know she wouldn't want to be treated. In response, she said, same, no offense, but I won't miss the romance or the sex, just the friendship. The sex wasn't great. I think it's sad and pathetic that you judge me when you aren't even truthful to yourself or your family. I almost texted your mom to tell her you were bi. I was disgusted and she threat- that she threatened to out me because I didn't want to get back together and that I told her how I didn't like how she had been treating me. But she used her charm to get me back, that she didn't mean it, and I never trusted her ever after that again. Last month, things were messy. We weren't officially back together, but we promised to be there for each other. She said that she wasn't looking for anyone and trying to work on herself. A day or so later, I was really sad. My internship at school had fallen apart. I was home alone, among other things. I tried to call her for support. She said she can't talk. I'm busy. She called the next day and essentially bragged that she was busy on a Tinder date. After this, that phone call, I said I can't keep doing this and I was staying away for good. Heartbroken, I spent that night with friends drowning my sorrows. Later that night, she called me, telling me that she was possibly pregnant. But the friends that i was with said that she was probably just trying to bait me back into talking i went home and talked to her tried calming her but i also said a pregnancy is not a ticket for us to get back together the next day i texted her to see if she was okay how she was she didn't respond until the evening i assumed she would have texted me as soon as she woke up because well she was with a baby turns out that the test was negative if there ever was a test she did something similar with chlamydia during our first breakup when i said i was going with no contact I arranged to meet up to talk really was me cutting the cord and that I wanted to keep some physical distance due to COVID and the fact that she was out with that guy. She said that they wore masks the whole time and that nothing happened in our final breakup a couple of days later, which when I said I was sorry, I couldn't keep doing this. She said, don't be sorry. She broke up with me. She spent the whole afternoon suggesting that she was the best that I could get that hopefully I won't regret not taking her back. At the end, she told me that stuff happened with the Tinder date, and she told me how he sucked on her toes. So she lied in order to get me to see her, and essentially, that I was a second choice. She tried calling and texting me a shit ton over the next several days. In one message, she said it killed her to think of me living with some other woman. Block, block, block has been activated. The coming out, the shopping trip, and the breakups are all just a couple of examples. There's others. The sheer denseness and hypocrisy makes me want to scream my lungs out at her, but I'm committed to no contact. How do I get past this desire to chew this person out who treated me like second-rate trash? I want to stop being angry. It's exhausting. And how do I avoid manipulative people like this? I'm kind of scared to share my bisexuality with anyone after this. Thanks, guys.
0: Oh, my God. (laughs) Okay, let's talk about red flags. Uh, There's so much in this letter, and Uh, The letter writer, Liam, says that they didn't even share all of it. Um, Mm
1: -hmm. And
0: Liam, I just want you to hear me, my love. I want you to hear us read this letter back to you um, that you don't need to stop being angry. In fact, I want you to stay in the clarity of your anger that you don't deserve Mm -hmm. to be treated like this. Mm -hmm. But I want to remind you that that anger doesn't get stronger or better or satiated if it's taken out on people, right? Right. Anger can be used as a tool of clarity to find, um, to make the right choices in your life that will lead you to inner peace, right? Mm -hmm. Um, I'm not going to ask you to like forgive this person and, and move on at this point, but I don't want, I think we fall into this trap of thinking that I don't want to be angry anymore because when I'm angry, all I want to do, we're taught that anger means action. You know, Mm -hmm. anger means calling them and chewing them out, leaving them nasty messages. Yep. You know, key in their car. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, But we don't need to see that form of anger in order for it to be cathartic and useful in our lives. Um, you can use that anger you can channel that anger into building the kind of life you know you deserve the kind of relationship that she denied you
1: oh absolutely and i think especially when we are being gaslit right when we are being encouraged to doubt our own experiences of things which it seems like that that this person that you are dating was really good at was really good mm-hmm. at saying the opposite of what you knew to be true um I think that that anger is really about like this self-righteousness of being like, yes, like, fuck you. You don't know what's real. Like, I can't believe that you are pretending like this is a lie. Right. And one of the things that I've found for myself, Liam, when I'm in those moments of like self-righteousness of being like, this person is awful. And I want to, I want the whole world to know about it. Right. Is to remind myself that the, That person, the way that that person is talking about that situation, the way that that person um, talked to me about that situation doesn't have actually any impact on whether or not that situation was true in the way that I experienced it. Right? Like By trusting my own reality, by trusting my own experience of that, it became less of like, I need everyone to know how awful she is. I need to call her up and tell her exactly all the ways that she hurt me. And instead is like wow, I didn't deserve to be treated like that. That person treated me really, really poorly. That person did a lot of awful things to me that I didn't deserve. And I know that that is what happened because I trust myself that that was what the situation was. And I think that sometimes that gets me out of that self-righteous anger, which is like so much about like, I want this person to hurt as much as they hurt hurt me Mm -hmm. or like, I want to be right and instead being like, no, I'm I'm right already. I don't need to prove that I I'm right to right. anyone. Yep. yep. I don't need to prove to anyone yeah. that I'm right. I know I am. And so I'm yeah. just going to be angry about the fact that they did that to me and leave that in the past because, like, I don't want that in my life anymore. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, totally. Um, I also think Sam and I were drawn to this letter for a couple reasons. And one of the primary reasons is because... Of the bisexual ma- a man um, representation that we don't really get to see a lot in anything. <laughs> like, name <laughs> one bisexual character that you know in television or movie, male. I mean, bisexual male character.
1: Um, uh, Daniel Levy's character in Schitt's Creek.
0: Oh yes, ugh lovely That was oh it. like that's the
1: only one i but, can think of though
0: <laughs> and and he identifies as polyamorous which is a comp you know depending sure. on your definition or honestly like what generation you're in <laughs> um mm-hmm. a little bit more fluid of a title um or a, a identifier but um but yes i remember watching that and being like oh my god he's gonna sleep with this lady <laughs> Friend, mm-hmm. and then and and then having him say that whole like wine spiel that was like that was that was freeing that was amazing to see um mm-hmm. and i just want to take a moment um to actually not as a not as like a a fellow self-identifying identifying bisexual person or whatever i am um but actually as a person who sleeps with men <laughs> i want to mm-hmm. take a moment to call in my community of fellow people who sleep with men and i want to remind you that it is not only misogynists who create a a limited idea of what masculinity can be it is us mm-hmm. too it is people who date men marry men sleep with men um I see so often that the stigma against bisexual men is most um, is most used, um, amplified by straight women or queer women who sleep with men, um, mm-hmm. because for some reason in our sex positivity, in our freedom, we can't create enough space to to imagine the idea of a man being bigger. Then the small idea of masculinity that it already contains, you know, mm. um, and I so I just want to I just want to like call that out on on it, its its nose. I don't know what that phrase is. I'm just going to use it. <laughs> I just want to call it out because, um, you know, I remember that episode in Sex and the City. If you haven't seen it, Carrie mm. is like dating a bisexual man and all of her fucking friends and her fucking freak out. And can't handle it because they're like, oh, he's going to leave you for a man or he's, you know, or too effeminate or whatever bullshit. Even though that character was like hella hot.
1: Oh, my God. He was (laughs) so hot.
0: (laughs) So dreamy. Um, I was like, like, if you don't want Carrie, you can have me. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, my God. Um, And then she breaks up with him because they play spin the bottle and he kisses another man. And she like she like leaves the party. She's like, I'm not. I'm not young enough and hip enough to be with you. As though, first of all, as though queerness and men having sex with other men is at all something hip or like hasn't been happening for I don't know since the beginning of time. <laughs> right? <laughs> um. Yeah. Uh. When I was in Germany, I just took a- pictures of of like old Greek um vases that had that had depictions of like men and boys having sex um Mm -hmm. to send to you (laughs) (laughs) um don't know if they ever got to you but
1: (laughs) i haven't seen them no
0: (laughs) yes those are like thousands and thousands of years old okay i'm getting a little off track but i just i think when we think about the patriarchy we think first and foremost of how it hurts Women and girls. Um, you know, like, oh, feminism, it's for, you know, women to have equal rights. Nah, girl, it is about everybody having the right to authentically be who they are, free to be mm-hmm. you and me, you know? Mm-hmm. And um, I'm really, this is all to say, Liam, I'm deeply disappointed that your girlfriend reflected this, this this disappointing stigma at you um, because your identity is valid. It's hella real. I think there are, I think it is. I think there are more bisexual men out there um, that are closeted for personal or subconscious reasons than, than, than we think because of the limitations that masculinity puts on them Um, and the patriarchy too. So uh, it's just, it i'm sorry that happened to you i'm sorry that's your first experience that you told someone that you loved and trusted this um this precious and beautiful part of you and it was rejected Um, i'm Mm. sorry that happened to you you didn't deserve that and this part of you is is sacred this part of you makes you who you are and it's worth celebrating
1: absolutely and i think you know i think what the theme that I'm getting from this relationship with this person is that she said a lot of things to intentionally hurt you. Um, Oh my
0: God. So vindictive.
1: Yeah. Like a lot of really vindictive, um, mean things, right? Like they're just mean. Um, And I want you to take them that way. Right. I want you to not take them as, as truth. Right. I want you to take them as like this person was lashing out and saying anything that they could say to make you feel bad because you are making them feel bad, right? Like that's like, it is a it is a indication of her emotional immaturity that that's how she decided to lash out at you. And I want you to see it that way because I, I know how easy it is when you come up against someone who is like intentionally just like grasping at straws to find things to hurt you with, to not internalize those things, to not hear, mm-hmm. wow, it's bad that I'm bisexual or wow, I'm bad at sex or like wow, I am not out to my family and that's so humiliating. Right. But like, none of those things are true friends. Like they're really not. And, and I want you to, I want you to look at all those things and say like, instead of saying like, wow, I should really, I should think about what she said. Instead think about why she said those things, which is because she was angry. She was hurting. And that the, what she said had no basis in truth. It was only stuff that she knew that would hurt you. And that, that's really hard for sure. But I think when I have been in bad breakups or like in situations where people have been especially cruel to me, I've had to remind myself that like it's not necessarily about the the thing that they said. It's more for them in that moment about like how they can hurt me the most. And I don't want to give them the power to hurt me in the way that they want to hurt me because I know I know those things aren't true. It's not bad that you're bisexual. You're not betraying yourself by not being out, right? Like coming out is a challenging process. You get to make the decision about how you want to do that. And you're not bad at sex. Like, <laughs> I, right. I, I doubt, I like, that's just not true. I can tell.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: And if you, They're... and like, like, it's not, no, she's just saying that because she knows it's going to hurt you the most
0: people who throw those vindictive intentionally hurtful insults uh, y- you know they are revealing a truth about themselves not about yep. you
1: yes so much better put thank you
0: you know what the one in 20 times <laughs> i can do that for you <laughs> <laughs> uh, thank god i can do that to you at least once <laughs> So to get to your final question, how do I avoid manipulative people um, like that in the future? Mm -hmm. I think the check-in topic today was like a good primer for this conversation because it Mm -hmm. is about creating space for your authentic experience of things and understanding that your experience is valid, um, your needs are valid, and that you can... um, you can trust your instinct in these things. There are yep. so many instances in this relationship in which she crossed the line and made you feel like shit. And mm. in that moment, you thought, in some form, in some manifestation, you thought, I deserve this. I need to make it right. Or this is the only kind of love I deserve. This is the this is it, right? Um, you know, I can't reject her. I can't say no to her because what if no one will ever love me again? Or Mm. what about all the good times? You know, it's Mm -hmm. about stowing away that, that sense of self, that sense of deserving and worthiness. And don't get me wrong. This is way fucking harder than said than done or easier said than done. Right. Uh, My therapist always surprises me every time I ask her a question about like loving myself more. I want her to, like, give me, like, five tips and tricks, you know, to quick self-love. Uh-huh. And she's always like, it just takes worth work. It's like a life's journey. And I'm like, come on, Carol. Like, give me the quick fix, bitch. <laughs> no, I would never call her a bitch. Oh, my God. <laughs> um, but, you know, this is this is a practice, right? And I'm not saying, right. you know, you're not going to come up to it. Come, come to a point in your life where you're going to have to say, wow, my experience of th- this was real and so was theirs. Now we have to uh, mediate or compromise, you know, but in this instance, it's so obviously a hurtful relationship. It's, it's, a, it's a hurtful dynamic. It's a toxic um, pattern. There are toxic patterns here. It's so obvious, right? Um, and at that point, you just have to say, I deserve better and you have to know it.
1: That's absolutely exactly right. You know, I think, I think the more that you can trust your own experiences, the more that you can understand and have confidence in your own, um, worth in your own sense of self in what you deserve and what you don't deserve. It becomes easier, not foolproof, right? But easier to identify some of those manipulative, um, and toxic behaviors beforehand, um, but like I also want to say to you, like there's no way to avoid this in the future. But trusting yourself, you know, understanding your own worth allows us to 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 get out of these situations quicker, or to identify them quicker, um, or to to build up the tools that we need in order to get out of them. Um, there is no here's the five-step process to avoid manipulative people because, like, that's impossible. They're, like, everywhere all the time. Um,
0: Just break up book coming to your bookshelf. (laughs) 2022. I don't know. (laughs) Manifesting that shit. But
1: I also want to say before we move on to the next letter, Liam, that, like, you made the right decision in blocking this person and maintain that block. You don't need to tell the person what you know is true in order to know that it's true, right? Like, they don't have to see it. Or validate it in order for you to know that that it's true, that you are not the person that they made you out to be, that the mean things that they said to you aren't true, that your experience in the relationship is 100% real. You know all those things. You do. You know them in your heart. So trust that. Sit with that. Grow that capability and spend less time focusing on how you're going to get her to understand what she did and how she hurt you because she's not going to and it's not it's not a productive place for you to be. So keep that block up. I'm so proud of you for doing it. I'm so proud of you for getting yourself out of this situation. Um, And you have everything that you need right now in you to be able to find a way to move on from from this person.
0: And if she comes to you somehow through this block and says her house is on fire or it's haunted or like she needs you to donate a kidney to her, this is a pattern. It's a crisis She she presents a crisis so that you come back and you fix it for her and then she berates you and insults you. Right. So see the pattern. So if you see the first step of that pattern, if she somehow makes it to the black that you're not going to take down, do not engage.
1: Absolutely. You do not need to be the savior to her. You do not need to be her support system. You do not need to be anything to her anymore. She can find other places to get the things that she needs. And it can't be you because of the way that she's treated you
0: yeah all right liam we love you so much and hey congrats on coming out that's fucking amazing
1: i know add us to the list of people who know i'm so honored
0: yeah (laughs) uh we love you so much thanks for writing
1: thank you so much liam
0: also like side note in that letter the other thing that infuriated me was the story about the friend's boyfriend who cheated on our with a guy. Yeah. As As if all bisexual
1: people, like the actions of one bisexual person are like the actions of all of them. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Mm. And it also, it makes, I, I struggle and, and I'm frustrated with the idea ideology that like all other people are a threat to your relationship. And, you know, in heterosexual relationships, you think all other women or all of the men, depending on mm. who you are. And then mm-hmm. when you're in queer or bisexual relationships, all of a sudden you're like, oh, my God, double the time, uh, double the enemies, which this is just like anyone. Not, it's not the way to live. Like it might be the way you are living, <laughs> right. but it's not the sustainable way to get through life without being paranoid all the time. I'm I'm very sorry that her boyfriend cheated on her, but it's not because he was bisexual. Right. All right. right. Exactly. love that. Y'all have heard me talk about my leather bag that I use as both a laptop bag and a diaper bag and I love it because (laughs) (laughs) honestly, it looks really cute in every single circumstance that I use it.
1: Indulge in affordable luxury. Go to quince.com slash justbreakup for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's q-u-i-n-c-e dot com slash justbreakup to get free shipping and 360 five day returns quince.com slash just break up
0: all right head and Hard workers you know i'm all about tackling our money shame To us from JL, who is writing, oh God, who's writing to us from 10 (laughs) feet away from the man I destroyed. (laughs) Okay, dear Sam and Sierra, I'm literally staring at my ex's bedroom window as I write this, which is totally not my choice, but it's just the view from the window next to my desk because we're fucking neighbors and live 10 feet apart. As you can imagine, this is a subpar setup. I definitely feel like I'm currently behaving like a person who typically serve as the inspiration for a letter you guys write. I am the ex that broke his heart and then proceeded to behave in ways that don't make sense and made him question why the universe is so unfair. So here's the story. My ex and I met, obviously, because we live next door to each other. We also go to school together. We're 25 and 26, though not undergrad, and therefore obviously know a lot of the same people. I ended things two months ago in a really immature way that I'm not proud of, but won't get into the whole story here. And he's been really crushed. We were talking pretty regularly for a while there because I just couldn't walk away from someone I loved who was in so much pain. But now we've stopped because he said that he couldn't handle the, quote, whiplash of me acting like I was into him one day and not the next. That's totally fair because, get ready, after months of him crying on the phone to me and asking me why we couldn't get back together, I went a little crazy and drunk called him telling him that I missed him. I did, and I do, sometimes, but that was obviously not okay and it confused the shit out of him because until that point I'd been doing such a good job of hiding my uncertainty from him. I know that he'll never be able to move on if he thinks that there's still a chance for us. So I've been trying my best to be the destroyer of all hope. But that call totally ruined the whole thing. The next day, he texted saying that, of course, he misses me, too, and that he thinks we just need some space. I said that I totally agreed to the space thing, but also added that he shouldn't feel like we're still together in any way and that he should definitely pursue dating other people. So, yeah, my whiplash is fucking confusing, and I can completely imagine being his friend and being so mad at me for doing this. Question number one. Why am I such a toxic ex and how do I stop? We broke up for a lot of complicated reasons, but I feel like many of them can be traced back to him really struggling with his mental health, health this past year, LOL 2020. And the way those struggles manifested in our relationship. It felt like it couldn't he couldn't be present for me or consider things he did that made me uncomfortable because he was already fully con- consumed with his own stuff. And granted, he had some major stuff going on. So that feels like such a shit reason to leave someone. I literally promised him I wouldn't leave. And then I did. I mean, you guys, I know what that feels like. I know you and all the listeners know what that feels like. I just can't believe I was the perpetrator of it. I am that heartless ex who makes you wonder five years later what you did that was so wrong. It made the person who promised they'd stay forever leave you. I can't get over the fact that I made someone who I honestly still love feel that soul-crushing feeling, and he's probably still feeling it every day. Sometimes I try to distract myself from thinking about it, but then, you know, I glance out my fucking window and there he is living his (laughs) sad boy life right there in front of me. So question number two, should I have not broken up in the first place? Should I go back? I know that's a hard question without all the facts, but essentially I'm asking you guys, how do you know if you're unhappy in a relationship because it's just not right? Or if you're unhappy because your partner is not able to be their best selves because it's a pandemic time and their life sucks. We were only together for a year, so hard to say if it it was just who he is or this has all been a reflection of these, quote, unprecedented times. But okay, get ready. It gets so much worse. I also won all of our mutual friends. He kind of did that to himself by distancing himself from everyone after the breakup. But I feel like that too could easily be a result of his poor mental state right now. And that sucks. He needs people there to support him. And I'm trying to encourage people we both know to do it. But it doesn't seem like to be working very well. Question number three. How do I push this? I am generally trying to make people be his friend. But... He says he doesn't think they care about him and he's kind of unresponsive to it. So what else can I do? Yet again, it gets worse. I'm also very recently started kind of casually seeing someone else already. Two of our friends who the ex and I used to go out on double dates with are suggesting a fun double date with me and this new guy. And that just makes me want to throw up how is it fair that I broke his heart and then I get all of the friends and the new fling and essentially just get to replace him while he just sits there alone crying and reheating tofu? It's just also unfair. And I want to fix his situation so badly, but it seems like everything I do just makes it worse. And then also there's the very major question of, um, do I ever want to be with him again? And so, If so, what the fuck am I doing dating other people and letting this man I love marinate in his own sadness? Please help. I'm so confused on all ends, and I feel like I know I'm being terrible, but I just don't know how to stop. I look forward to being graced with your hippie woo-woo wisdom. All right, JL, thank you so much for writing.
1: Absolutely. This is like, this letter is wild. (laughs) There's so much (laughs) going on here. (laughs) Yeah. Um I think before we get into some of the nitty gritty of this um I want to say to you that like we are allowed to break up with people for any reason um there are kinder ways to do it and there are ways that may not be as kind and yet also we are like that is our prerogative and and so I want to say like you are not a terrible person for breaking up with this person. Right. And you are allowed to break up with him because he's not able to show up fully in the relationship. Like that's, that's sad and, um, and hard. And also like you are allowed to do it because you're not getting, you're not getting your needs met. You are not. um, And you can, you can say that like, I'm, I'm not getting my needs met. And so we need to break up. Right. Like I want to, part of me feels like you are just like in this, this, this mode of wanting to fix everything because you feel like you did something wrong by breaking up with this person but like you are allowed to break up with people like that is the the world as it exists um, so just want to like pause there and say like you can you are allowed to do that you even though you live 10 feet from each other and even though you have shared friends and even though he's going through mental health issues and all of this stuff like you're allowed to break up with him if the relationship isn't working for you <laughs> right like that is that is a okay right. we'll get into the other stuff about like how to how how to not do some of the things that you're doing. But I want to start with that premise because I think if you fully believe that premise, it might help you not do these other things that you're doing, which are super yes. not helpful.
0: <laughs> right. I think that you hit the nail on the head when you say, I want to fix his situation so badly, but it seems like everything I do just makes it worse. So when we talk about trying not to be that toxic ex, and also like, Connecting to red flags. It's about listening to our um, instincts, validating our needs, things like that. Um, if if everything you're doing seems to be making it worse, then we need to stop doing those things, right?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You cannot, If if your boyfriend, if your ex wrote in and said, she keeps being wishy-washy with me. I don't know what to do. I need I want to move on, but I also hold her in my heart and then she keeps flip-flopping, blah, blah blah blah. We would we would tell your ex, you cannot heal in the same place that broke you, right? Yep. You are that place. I'm not that's not a that's not a you are a bad person. That's a you broke up with it, you ended the relationship, and now you have to deal with that. You <laughs> know you have to deal mm-hmm. with that, which is to say, not fix his problems, but move on with your life. Um, yep. Move on with your life and let this man go through his heartache. Let this man hurt and heal from you. And I hear you saying, but what if, but what if, but what if I want to be with him? And um, you chose not to. Number one, yep. you made that decision, mm-hmm. and you need to make that decision wholly for the health and sustainability of both of you and your relationships. Yep. Right? Um, for the health of your future relationship, if you get back together, it will be that much more healthy if you fully let this breakup heal, let this breakup break fully, instead of like yep. stringing it along like a like a half broken forearm that just like dangles there painfully. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry i don't know what that i don't know what that was but <laughs> i don't
1: know it either but i like it Um,
0: and I, I think why sam and i are both really drawn to this letter is because i think we see s- so many instances of heartache in the podcast so many instances of like humanity and just wires crossed and doing things for the first time and feeling ill-equipped and trying to follow our hearts but our hearts our hearts are tricky motherfuckers you know And we don't always get the opportunity of talking about this side of head and heart work, right? Head and heart work is not just about saying I have a right to take up space. I need to, you know, exert my boundaries. I deserve to be heard and listened to, you know, head and heart work is not just validating all of that side of things, right? Mm -hmm. Head and heart work is also like putting on your big kid pants and, and, choosing to do the right thing because you know you are actively hurting someone or you're actively hurting yourself. Like uh, Mm -hmm. we've talked in the past, I'm being a little like blunt and also vague about it at the same time, but we've talked about this in the past. Like the tipping point of self growth comes with, with direct and uncomfortable effort, you know, like you want to stop, texting your boyfriend and giving him mixed signals, block him or or <laughs> mm-hmm. take his phone phone number out of your phone. Yep. Explicitly say to him, "I feel like I'm sending you mixed signals and I think this is a healthy thing to do, right?" Like do the hard thing that feels uncomfortable but that you know reinforces your your the health of the relationship.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, no, it feels honestly to me JL like you are running you are trying to run away from the pain of breaking up with someone like the pain that you have caused him by breaking up with him like you want him to not feel bad about the fact that you broke up with him and that's not possible so hard no i oh my god i get it i i hate telling people hard things right like and but that fact that you're not willing to sort of take on the fact that you that that you broke up with him and that hurt him right which is not a a bad thing right like it, it doesn't make you a bad person we can't go through this world without hurting people we cannot establish our own boundaries without disappointing people we cannot respect other people's boundaries without disappointing people right like you can't move through this world trying to be in relationship with people trying people on like doing the experiment of dating without hurting people without disappointing them right and and you can't run away from that fact because when you run away from that fact you just show up in really toxic ways, right? Like you show up trying to fix their problems for them, which is patronizing and unhelpful, (laughs) right? You show up in trying to make them feel better, which is to say like, it's not you, I still might like you, like you're still a good person, right? Which then is a mixed signal, which like perpetuates the hurt that you're causing, right? Like you have to sit in the understanding of the fact that you broke up with this person and that hurt his feelings. And it doesn't mean you're a bad person. It just means you broke up with a person. You broke up with him for legitimate reasons. You broke up with him because it was the right thing for you to do in that moment. And it's okay. It is okay that you hurt him in that process because that is what a breakup is, is hurting people. But it's also an important thing for us to do in order to make sure that we are finding relationships that work well for both of us, right? That, And if it's not working well for you, then like it's not a relationship that should be maintained. So it's okay. It's okay that he's hurting. It's not okay that you are trying to fix it, though. <laughs> like The fixing yes. is making it worse. <laughs> because yes. like, like Sierra I, said, just like we say, like you can't go heal in the place that hurt you. You can't be the healer when you've done the hurting. You can't, it, it's just right. not going to work that way.
0: <laughs> And I think in this instance, I, I want to share a little something from my personal life. I left someone I loved deeply and felt deeply conflicted about leaving that person. And then and felt more than anything because the person was so good and I loved him so much. Um, but we just weren't right for each other. I mm-hmm. felt un um, I felt like it was it was uh I was not only hurting him deeply by leaving him, which I was, but that I was being A terrible, hurtful, bad person. That it wasn't my right to. It wasn't my right to leave someone, um, no matter no matter my unhappiness in the relationship, right? Right. So instead, I did, which now I did something that I now understand as textbook. What Sam just said, basically, like kept myself around because in my head, in a really weird narcissistic way, actually, (laughs) I like wanted to avoid the hurt. I wanted to continue to deny myself the right to my own um, desires, right? Um, and I also said, well, if I can't give him 100% of myself, I'll give him 10. I'll give him 15. Mm. I'll, I'll let him sleep in my bed when he comes over, but we won't mm. have sex. I will always answer his text messages. I will talk about a maybe future. Like I did all of these really up, well-intentioned things. I'm talking, yep. I I was doing the best that I could, right? I was doing the best I could because I, in my brain, I, w- I could not make any space for the reality that I have a right to break up with someone. I have a right to not be happy in a relationship, no matter how good of a person they are, right? I have that mm-hmm. right. But I couldn't, I could not process at that, at that time in my life. And so then for a year plus after the, a year plus after this, I kept saying, OK, well, you know, maybe we'll get back together one day or, you know, we kept talking. We kept staying in each other's lives. We kept having the relationship conversation because I thought this giving him at least some of me must be better than denying him all of me. But you know what I was doing? I also was, I was starving myself, right? I constantly was giving away pieces of myself to fucking, you know, in a in a narcissistic way, I was centering myself as the way to make him feel better, but also denying him the right to get over me. Mm, um, and, yeah. and, then, and, and me, I was denying myself the right to move on. Like, holy, I was just saying, like, I owe this to him. I, I, I I have to keep this connection or else I am being the cold, heartless, selfish person that I believe myself to be. Um, and if I had written into this letter, I would want I would want Sam to tell me, like, it's time, Sierra, it's time, you know, cut the cord, do the hard, uncomfortable thing, um, because he deserves it and you deserve it. Right.
1: Yeah, no, that is that is so real. And I recently was actually watching a YouTube video of um, our Lord and Savior, Brene Brown. Um, yes, amen, and she, amen. Was, yeah, she And she was talking about trust. And there's an acronym that she has called BRAVING, which um, y'all should look it up because it's very helpful. But the first one is B, which is boundaries, right? And what I thought was super interesting in it was that she said in this, like, trust is not just that i know that you are going to respect my boundaries but also that i know that you are going to respect your own boundaries and i was like it was wow. so profound for me because i was like oh it feels like such a thing of like you know we gotta you have to respect where where my edge is but also it's so true like in order to build respect or build trust the, like, the person you're in relationship with also has to be able to maintain their own boundaries so that you don't overstep, right? Or so that you aren't suddenly in a place where you are uncomfortable. And what's happening right totally. now, Al J- or JL, is that you are not maintaining your own boundaries with this man, right? Like, you broke up with him. You said to him, I don't want you in- to be in relationship with you. And I know that you're confused about that, for sure. But you said... We're not in a relationship anymore. And so in order to help him heal, right, again, in order to be as helpful as possible, you have to maintain your own boundaries so that he's not confused anymore, so that he is not. He is not like so that he can trust that you say what you mean, right, like he can trust that this is over and figure out how to heal. And I it was such a profound thing for me to, like, understand that. That not only does me maintaining my boundaries serve me well, but it also serves the people I'm in relationship with well, because it prevents them from overstepping or from for being confused and, and helps them build trust that I'm always going to consistently say, like, this is where I'm OK with and this is what I'm not OK with. And I think that that just transformed it for me, that it's not always just about respecting other people's boundaries, but actually we can show up better for other people when we respect our own and when we, we are consistent in how we respect our boundaries. So I want you to like take Absolutely. that and internalize it. Like what actually is gonna be more helpful for him than you trying to fix his whole life for him is to be consistently out of his life and to be consistent in the fact that you, cho- or you are choosing not to date him and choosing not to be in his life anymore. And that is hard because, like, I know that you are have mixed feelings and I know that you, like, really like him and and that you, you didn't break up because, like, there was a horrible thing you did. It's all in or did. all out. Yep. But it has to, in this moment, it has to be all in or all out. And so, like, I don't even know how to answer the question of, like, should you get back together with him? No. That's up to you to figure out.
0: I can. I can answer <laughs> but- it. No. <laughs> in
1: this moment, right now, you need to either be with him or be without him, because the things that you're doing in the situation are hurting him
0: and hurting yourself. Don't forget that you you're you are a valid player in this. You know, I think that we've yeah. been we've we've had a lot of tough love in here. But let me tell you those 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 years that I was giving that person ten percent, fifteen percent, I was hurting right, like I was hurting myself in my in my acts of selfish selfishness and in my acts of um uh c- trying to control the situation and prevent further the damage i was hurting mm-hmm. us both
1: yeah absolutely no that's that's real because you're running away from you're trying to run away from the hurt that comes with breaking up with someone but like that hurt right. doesn't just go away you can't run away from it it is always like nipping at your heels so you have to stop and like embrace it and Nip sit it in it in and butt. it's like Right. Nip it, nip it in the butt instead of <laughs> in the butt. Instead of, I saw that, that that person that was like, I never knew that the phrase was nip it in the bud until we had that conversation. Anyway. Yeah.
0: But like a flower.
1: Yes. Yes. Nipping it okay. in the bud so that it doesn't become a full flower. Uh, I it. lost my train of thought, but like, whatever. You got <laughs> the gist.
0: Sorry. Yeah. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> like grow, self grow blah, blah, blah.
1: <laughs> That's right. Sit in our feelings, embrace, embrace this stuff and don't run away from it because
0: yeah it's going to be uncomfortable but this uh, discomfort is where growth happens
1: absolutely absolutely
0: all right jl we love you we believe in you and we believe in your goodness thank you for writing
1: yeah thank you so much we love you all right our last letter comes from scaredy Cat, who is writing from fomo city scaredy cat writes dear sam and sierra i am a cis 24 year old White woman, she, her. Let's get stuck in. I have had a th- I have had three long-term relationships, each of which ended when I found out my respective boyfriends all cheated. At the conclusion of my first relationship, my high school boyfriend of four years and the only person I had ever slept with was diagnosed with herpes. After this, I would withdrew a little from the dating scene out of insecurity and spent a lot of time working on myself to heal from both the stigma surrounding this STI and res- residual trust issues. My most recent relationship ended a year ago after I found out that he had been cheating and I was consequently diagnosed with chlamydia. I found this particularly traumatic after explaining early on to this ex Mm -hmm. how important my sexual health is to me because of my past. So his cheating and giving me chlamydia felt like a harsh betrayal. I have been seeing a counselor for the last nine months and I found this helpful. However, I still carry with me a lot of hurt that affects my self esteem. Mm -hmm. I am mostly at peace with my herpes diagnosis. And in my experience, have actually not yet been rejected by a potential partner when disclosing this. My frustration lies in the fact that I blame my diagnosis for not having the wild, sexually explorative freedom that I always dreamed of as a teenager. My friends mm-hmm. and I grew up watching Sex in the City and fantasized about partying, adventures, and having crazy, passionate, casual sex with hot strangers. Many of them have had those experiences, whereas I've been held back a lot out of both fear of rejection and feelings of inadequacy about being what society deems as dirty additionally even though i endeavor to practice safe sex my past has made me terrified of catching more stis and i now associate sex with trauma and fear i have also noticed that due to my insecurity i find it very easy to form superficial attachments to casual flings because them having sex with me feels like an acceptance of me and my Mm. sti is this a scarcity mindset My question to you guys is this, how do I let go of my own self-deprecation, fear and feelings of inadequacy so that I can finally permit myself the freedom to have casual sex? How do I stop myself going into every sexual or romantic interaction without feeling like I'm already in a deficit because I'm bringing this STI along with me? How do I stop viewing people sleeping with me as a pity gesture or a drop in their own standards that they'll regret the next day? What kind of boundaries can I put into place to help stop this cycle of getting superficially attached to people I sleep with when logically I know that I don't want a relationship with them? I'm sick of feeling frustrated and resentful of my friends for living the sexually liberated lives I want for myself. There's so much and so many people I want to experience before I settle down in another relationship, but I'm finding this a particularly challenging hurdle. Mm and I'm tired of my fear holding me back. Any tough love from my two besties around, across the world would be so appreciated. I am a better person for listening to your podcast. So thank you from the bottom of my heart. Love, Scaredy Cat.
0: Oh, Scaredy Cat, we love you. Thank you so much for writing. And thank you for being so vulnerable um, and sharing your story with us. I want to just explicitly say like, oh my God, I'm so sorry those three relationships created that pattern in your head but that is not the pattern of the universe. I'm I am deeply sorry that your trust was betrayed in this way and you've kind of been left with this life experience that you never fucking asked for and that like nobody deserves. But also um I I don't want you to see that pattern as a pattern of of the universe, you know, like that this is going to happen to me all the time.
1: Uh-huh. But like
0: dang. Dang, I wish it didn't happen like that i guess Is all i Mm want to say explicitly first
1: yeah no absolutely that's a it's one of those things where it's like you can see the pattern there but like you have to remind yourself that the pattern doesn't exist right exactly
0: exactly and i think you know unpacking our sexualities like coming to terms with our bodies and our desires is already such a um stigmatized and confusing experience. Um, One that is only made worse by the opinions of other and and misinformation of other people. And then Mm -hmm. add to that STIs um, and it, it, and the stigmas that come along with all of that. It's just um, I'm trying to, in this statement, I'm trying to both like not make a huge deal out of it and be like, Oh my God, I'm so sorry this happened to you because SDIs exist period (laughs) they exist Mm -hmm. right they happen they are a part of life and be part of the reason why they're stigmatized is because we don't talk about them but also say share my regret that you have to fucking deal with this like life is fucking hard enough and you shouldn't I'm sorry you were put into this life experience that's what I'm trying to say
1: Mm -hmm. absolutely and I'll also say to you that I you know um, I relate to that feeling of I wish that I was good at casual sex. (laughs) Like I, you know, because of like things that have happened to me as well. And like, and the ways that people have treated me in my life. Right. Like I also feel very, uh, cautious about casual sex for sure. I mean, like obviously not now because like I'm in a committed monogamous relationship, but like, I also really wanted to have that sort of like promiscuous lifestyle of like being able to, um, to just like go out and date people and have casual sex with people. And I, because of like the traumas and things that I was bringing into those types of situations was also like really not able to do it too. So I can I can understand that frustration of being like, what the fuck is wrong with me? Like, why can't I just get out of my head and like enjoy this moment and enjoy this casual sex with people? Um, Because I could never do it. Like I just, I could not right. make it work for me. Uh, Despite all of how how much I tried, (laughs) like, honestly, I had sex with a lot of people that I didn't really want to because I was like convinced that if I just like kept doing it, it was going to make it better. And it was like, no,
0: Samantha, you were saying to yourself.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. I was like, just do it. And then I was like, no, that was awful. Why did I do that? (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, so to answer your question partially, um, I think my, my most honest instinct when reading this letter is that there, there are, you are on a journey, right? As we all are with specific life experiences that you are going to, and you are going to get better at loving and accepting yourself. Again, I don't have like those top five tips of immediate self-love, but that journey is yours and you're on it and it will get easier. And also, this is the actual point I want to make. I think the the number one thing I want to see that comes out of this letter, other than your own self-love and empowerment, is like everyone else in the world be better. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like one of those instances where like I don't see anything like wrong with our letter writer or like I don't... See, uh, like you're doing everything right right now. You're putting yourself out there. You are seeing a counselor. You are processing this life experience um, that you never asked for. And the big barriers around you are the fucking stigmas reinforced by us because we're such a weird, puritanical, judgmental fucking society that we don't, we are riddled with misinformation and a lack of knowledge about SCIs. And it's like amazing that right now we are like at this rise of sex positivity, you know, more sex education than ever, more access to things like condoms and sexual health um, information. And equally, we still have that much sexual shame. We still we still cannot process and talk about sex and things that happen in. Um, to our genitals right um because not all SDIs come from sex uh we we still can't process them it, it, we're like we're like oh my god i'm sex positive but like um only about certain cool instagrammable things you know
1: <laughs> yeah
0: um and i i just want to share like a little statistic because i <laughs> um i was reading this article online in preparation to, for this letter um about a A doctor who said, you know, in her in her like 30 years of practice, people ask her questions about their um, conditions or their skin or whatever all the time off the clock. And the only thing. And she said it happens all the time. Friends, family, neighbors will always be like, look at this mole. What's this condition? Why is my breath bad or whatever? And the Mm -hmm. only thing no one talks about, even though they are exactly the same, right? It's just another infection, just like eczema, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, No one asked her about SEDs or SEIs, I should say. And, um, you know, one in six people have herpes and one in 11 people have diabetes and it, it, that's how prevalent it is, except for we think of it as this dirty secret. So people don't get tested. People don't tell their partners. And then when we do get it, we have this deep sense of shame, which I know for a fact prevents people from going to get treated, you know, mm-hmm. because they don't want to yep. go to the doctors. And um, it's just so I want to I'm going to end this letter with Sam talking to you, scaredy cat, about how fucking awesome you are, and ways in which you might be able to engage with more self love and more compassion because you're a fucking badass. Um, but I, I, I would regret not saying to all of our listeners, like our internalized bi- uh, biases and stigmas about sexual uh, transmitted uh, infections. We need to check ourselves because we're, you know, every joke we make. Um, every shame that we, you know, bit of shame we internalize about our own physical experiences, Mm -hmm. we're contributing to that. And it's, it's, it's limiting people's joy. That's what I think about, you know, in this, I'm going to, I'm going to go off on one more tangent. Sorry. Go for it. It's, I, to you, scaredy cat, I, I, recently I was like going through something in which my anxiety, it was a good thing. Um, but my anxiety wanted me to, wanted me to worry, right? My anxiety wanted, Mm -hmm. my fear wanted to take me away from that good thing. Um, And through therapy and some journaling, I realized that that was happening. I realized like I had this good thing in my hand um, and that my fear and my anxiety and my potential shame was trying to take it away from me, was trying to take me away from the present moment and um, was trying to, was trying to fucking ruin it. It was like being a party crusher. Party pooper. And (laughs) Mm -hmm. um and I just realized that I didn't I didn't want my fear and my anxiety and my shame to rob me of my joy. I I wasn't and all of a sudden I became like a defender. I became so defensive of my joy. And I want Mm. that for you, Scaredy Cat. Keeping in mind I understand the weight of the stigma that you're fighting against. And also just in life, it's really fucking hard to love yourself. Like Nobody, that doesn't come easily to fucking anyone. Yep. But I want you to think about your joy in your life and your self-love, your self-respect and your self-compassion. I want you to be defensive of it, right? Mm. You don't, this lived experience that you didn't ask for um, isn't allowed to strip you of your self-love. It's not that your your shame Um, this experience isn't allowed to take you from your self-worth. Like Mm -hmm. I want, if possible, I want you to try to be defensive of it. You know, like a, like a, like a mother lioness and her cubs, you know, like you don't get to touch this. Right. Because we only have one life. Right. And I sure as shit don't want you. It is unfortunate that so many people carry so much shame and stigma around with them. I, I, my heart breaks for them and my heart breaks for myself and my own lived experience with my body and infections that I've had, you know, and the heartbreak that I carried around for that. Um, but I, 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 this is what I wish for you End rant, Sam, go make me sound better.
1: <laughs> no, I think Sierra is absolutely right. That um, there is something about protecting your own joy. Right. And like, not there's, I want to be clear that we're not, that that the reality is, is that the stigma exists and that the stigma is not your fault. And right. to also say like, you are, you can be protective of your joy. You can find ways to, to make sure that, that, that folks aren't able to take that from you. And that's really, really challenging because like, that's what folks want to do is take that joy from you. And also, I just want to say too, like, I don't want to, I don't want us to dive into toxic positivity in this letter either and say like, mm. just put yourself out there, like, Uh, you can do this, like, you're amazing, like, go for it, just do it. Like, I also want to say, like, I want to acknowledge the reality of that fear of missing out, of that feeling like you have lost something or that you're not able to do the thing that you wanted to be able to do that you envisioned for yourself. And, like, sit in that and be like, that sucks. That, like, the fact that you envisioned a life that is different than you're living right now sucks. And I I don't want to... I sometimes get um, a little bit hesitant to, like, have this type of conversation of, like, reframe, like, go for it. Like, I want you to also be like, it's okay for you to feel like shit because you didn't have you're not having the experience that you thought that you were going to have. It's okay to feel shitty about that. It's okay to feel a little bit resentful of the people in your life that are able to have the thing that you don't get to have because of this thing that happened to you. Like, it is. Those are all feelings that are valid, that are legitimate, that you can sit in and that you can you can spend time in, and and it's okay for you to feel that way. It's also okay if you live the rest of your life never being able to have casual sex. It is Mm. okay. There is still other sources of abundance in your life, right? Like this isn't the one thing that's gonna make you happy. (laughs) Like this isn't the one thing that's gonna get you to everything that you've ever wanted. Right? Like fuck. Fuck. And at the same time, it is okay to be like, "Fuck, this feels like the thing that would have gotten me all the happiness." <laughs> right? Like, right. both of those things can be true at the same time. And so, like, I'm sorry that this is happening to you. I also want to say that, like, this this doesn't need to be the end of the world if you aren't able to get the thing that you want out of this situation. Like, both of those things are true at the same time. Because I th- I remember just like being in my 20s and being like, I was. That fear of missing out was just so intense and I either like challenged myself to not sit in it or distracted myself so much from the things that were sitting in front of me because I was just like, I'm not the hottest person at the club. (laughs) Like, I don't get to have all of this sex with all of these people. And it's like, but there's also still that's like so meaningful about my life, even if I didn't get those opportunities, you know what I mean?
0: Right. Totally. Totally.
1: So Yeah. All of that is true and and so like i want to answer some of your questions too about like you know how do i permit myself to do this like how do i stop going into these uh situations feeling like i'm a deficit like how do i feel like they're not pitying me and the the answer to that is to say that like that's just something that you need to believe right like you are not a deficit because of your sti you are mm-hmm. you come into every situation and you come into every romantic partnership every non-romantic partnership that's just casual sex with a bunch of assets as a, as with, a
0: whole mm-hmm.
1: as a whole person right with with this reality that you're experiencing with the sti and also everything else that you're coming into this experience with it you are whole you are full of assets you are you are not anyone's pity. You are not right. someone who is every, anyone's second best. You are an amazing person who has so much amazing things to offer to romantic partners, to casual partners, to friendships, to uh familiar relationships. You have, you are bringing so much to the table, right? And one of those things is this STI, which is not a deficit. It is just a thing that right. you are bringing to the table. And I, the only way, honestly, the only way is, is to begin to repeat that to yourself over and over and over again until it begins to replace the thing that you've already told yourself over and over and over again, which is that this SDI makes you feel, makes you dirty, that this SDI is a deficit, that this right. SDI makes it impossible for you to be loved, which are not your fault, right? Like those are the things that society are, is teaching us. But in order to dislodge that narrative, we got to replace it with something and we got to We got to say that narrative as many times as we've heard that bad one already, right? I'm so
0: glad you said that because it is literally about repetition, especially something so ingrained with this. I was thinking, Mm -hmm. you know, I give myself little mantras When, when I'm processing something repeatedly that's like challenging for me I will I'll give myself a situation specific mantra that I just say to myself and that sounds like hippie woo-woo bullshit and it might be but it sure as shit gets me through the day a little bit better um, and uh, one I could offer to you is like I am not damaged I'm processing a life experience that I didn't ask for Right. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm not dirty. I didn't have sex uh, unwisely. I'm just experiencing something that life threw at me. And it's, it's, I I wish I wasn't, but I am, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, I'm do, uh, this is a hard thing. I have to, it's unfortunate that I have to deal with this, but I've done hard things in the past. I love Sam's word of the deficit. How many instances in life do we think that we are coming to the table less than damaged or broken, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and Mm -hmm. instead thinking I am whole right now, in this moment, I am whole as I become, I'm whole as I heal. Um, and, and it is about po- it is a process of repeating that to yourself and reinforcing that to yourself, whether through counseling, through the relationships you form. You know, I actually found like a, a refreshing amount of really great resources and forums out there for people with SDIs working on that relationship with the self. So I would encourage you to check them out online or locally. Um mm-hmm. So how are we reinforcing the idea that there is that there is nothing wrong with you? And in fact, you are whole um, and human right now as is.
1: Absolutely. And I also want to push back on the idea that like mantras are hippie woo woo, because like you all know me and like I am not the hippie woo woo person. <laughs> but the reality is, is that we are we are telling ourselves monster mantras constantly. Right. And right. unless I'm we awful. are intentionally
0: I'm, I'm ugly. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: I'm a deficit, I'm dirty, I am ugly, like all of those things, right? And so unless we You can pick a
0: kind mantra or a hard one. Sorry, go ahead.
1: Absolutely. No, and so like if we're not intentional about the types of mantras that we tell ourselves, the mantras will be negative.
0: (laughs) I fucking love that. I fucking have never thought about my inner voice as a mantra, but it so is, right? Oh, you're ugly. Oh, absolutely. It's literally repeating the
1: same thing over and over and over against you. So like- So you can either challenge it and say, no, I'm going to repeat this positive thing over and over and over again to myself. Or you're just going to we're just going to let it run its course. So like I love that. like it's literally not woo woo. It is literally trying to like reprogram your brain to fall back Mm -hmm. on this instead of the bad thing that you're thinking.
0: I love that. All right, scaredy cat. um, If it's not obvious, Sam and I love you inherently and wholly right now as you are um Mm -hmm. and we genuinely hope this helps
1: absolutely thank you so much for writing we love you all right everyone that brings us to the blind date segment of our episode this is when we try and set you up with something we think you're really gonna like this week our blind date is
0: all right so i'm pulling um a sam blackwell and i'm going to (laughs) suggest something that my partner suggested um Yeah, so Willow is reading the book Stumbling on Happiness by Daniel Gilbert, and mm. it's about um, uh, how our brains work and how we actually create and process happiness. Um, so it's written by um, the, a professor of psychology at Harvard, and I caught my wife reading it a couple of times over the last couple of weeks and she would be like smiling or a couple of times she's like laughed out loud. And she kept commenting about like, considering it's a pretty heady book about how like the mm-hmm. brain works. Um, it is, he, he writes in a very charming, funny way, almost like she said, David Sedaris. And <laughs> I texted her when I told her I was going to use it as a blind date um, because Previously, she had said, I think your listeners would really like this book if they're into head and heart work, they would like this book. And uh, so I texted her, what do you think our listeners will like about it? And direct quote, she said, maybe they would like to know more about how complicated our brains work. When things feel confusing, it's not that we're defective. We're just not quite evolved as we think we are. We're still just mammals (laughs) reacting to stimuli and trying to make sense of it all, (laughs) which feels like really applicable to the conversations we've been having. Um, Yeah, for sure. uh, But I'm going to read it next. Um, it's, It's up next on my book list as soon as she's done with it. So it's called Stumbling on Happiness by Daniel Gilbert.
1: I love that. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. You can like us on Facebook and you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Just Break Up Pod.
0: You can slide into our DMs, send us your favorite relationship memes. But most importantly, you can submit your questions about all matters of the heart at JustBreakUpPod.com.
1: Please remember to follow us so that you can get your episode every Monday exclusively on Spotify and consider supporting us on Patreon. If you support us on Patreon for as little as $5 a month, you'll get an additional bonus weekly episode, as well as access to our back catalog of Patreon episodes, which at this point, number over a hundred that's patreon.com slash just breakup pod. This literally keeps our mics on and helps us reach more brokenhearted souls who need two random strangers, giving them relationship advice.
0: Original music, recording, editing, producing, all magical things by our good friend, Big Cats. Make sure to check out his podcast, the What If Podcast. And remember, you are not damaged. You are not a mistake. You are not fundamentally flawed. You are simply becoming as we all are. We are the stories we tell ourselves. Be kind, be soft, be generous with yourself. And if all else fails...
1: Just Break Up.